Andy Farrell, are you watching? Sport is so fickle, and you know this more than anyone, Quinny. Like, you know, you're either on top of the world or you're down in the doldrums. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. There you have it. We're back for another week here on the Football Pod. Paddy Andrews is with me as always, and James O'Donoghue is back once more. James, how did you find last week? You made your debut, but more importantly, you announced your retirement. What was the fallout like? I had to come back for more punishment. I enjoyed it so much last week. I said I give it another <laughs> another shot. But um yeah, I had a nice week. I had a nice week because um in fairness people were were, you know, coming up to me and saying that uh just uh, good luck to me and everything, which was nice. And um I got to sit back and enjoy the National League games without any without any pressure. So I had a nice week, enjoyed it. Yeah, but, uh, I to get the teeth stuck into something different, you know. How did you find a paddy back in uh January twenty twenty? Before or twenty one wasn't it? it was January twenty one. How did yeah. you find that those few days after that? Oh, it was great. It was never as popular in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was gas. I think Leo Varadkar said this week and all over. I thought it was no, a, he did it not. Yeah. He only lives up the road. Like. Uh, it's gas. He only taught my mother and me, my wife now used to support me, but it turns out uh, you probably had a bit more than that now. So, uh, me all Martin rang me. They see the T-shocks are always trying to get stuck in. Look, <laughs> I, I I thought I thought he actually had there for a second. No, Jesus Christ! Your no, old buddy I, Kieran Donahue had plenty of nice things to say about you as well. He was seen that for Jimmy. Yeah, very yeah, nice, yeah. very nice. He put up a lovely Instagram post. That's a nice touch. I think that's a classy touch. It is. It is. It's nice in fairness. I heard actually Joe Kenning. I remember when he um yes when he retired. Very upset with people putting up Instagram posts. <laughs> was he? That sprung to mind with me as well. Yeah. Like he went, he just goes, just text the lads yourself. Why are you putting it up? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Donnie, yeah. he didn't read that, obviously. He mustn't have read it. You no, know, but it's nice, you know, just to get um, a few pictures and remember a few good stories. Like, it's nice, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's probably a change from the conversations you've probably had in the town over the last six months are you going to be back? Are you coming back? When are you back? What's the story? What's going on? I wish people would be half avoiding you because they're kind of thinking, is he injured or is he yeah. playing? They don't want to say something to upset you then. Yeah, so yeah. They knew they weren't going to upset me. So I was the Good. most man in Kerry this week. Well, listen, you were very popular on the pod last week. I thought you did very well for your first day out. So congratulations on that. Um, no. It was also fantastic to see one of the finest inter-county Twitter accounts make its return over the last couple of days. You caused a bit of trouble. Paddy is always there throwing a couple of tweets. Paddy's a quiet fella on Twitter. He only, every so often you look at his tweets and replies. That's where you see Paddy Andrews' good tweets. They're in his replies. He's always letting out sneaky ones in there. But James, it was described as a bit of guerrilla marketing last week. I just wonder should we be clearing it up for the people at home? <laughs> my friends don't even trust me on that night they think that I made the world's worst mistake of all time I, I don't know you we'll, explain it you no 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 we'll leave it at that we'll leave it at that <laughs> keep them guessing Jimmy keep them guessing well, what, I, what, do we, what do we make of the football this weekend was it, was it a good weekend of football I'm looking at two lads here it's probably the three of us now all the results seemingly went against us in different ways um, for the counties we were from I got to see Claire and Offaly which was uh, an enjoyable game in ways it was it was nice to see some of the off the under twenties and see where where they came and where they were at, and I suppose how far they've got to come to be able to make it an intercounty football. And um, we'll come back to that in a little while. We'll go through plenty of the games over the next hour. We're going to get stuck into Newbridge and how Kerry got on against Kildare, how they were caught 
We're going to be talking about some of the Division 2 games. We'll run through the results in Division 3 and Division 4. We've had our Fantasy Football League, lads. You'll be glad to hear that James O'Donoghue is bottom of the pile, Paddy. <laughs> Too busy tweeting last week. That's what happens. <laughs> Took us eye off the ball. Yeah, yeah. No, so. I say that it, it's, a, it's a team build for the second half of the league. Because yeah. I know there's only one or two transfer windows. So I your fantasy team is in preseason already. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> Actually, you <laughs> tweeted saying that you're number one. Was that Twitter? Twitter, wasn't it? So you were taking it far more seriously than you're letting on. Yeah, well, Tommy gave you a dig out, didn't you, Tommy? Yeah, Paddy, you put a, Paddy put a serious mind to work in to his uh, fancy <laughs> team last week. We'll come back to that in a little while. It was a late, very, very, very late addition. Very busy. Very busy. Very busy. Thanks, many for all the, the interest in it too. We have about 78 people. I have promised them prizes, lads, so I know that's a new, going to be another addition to the contract. We're going to have to dig out maybe, I don't know, a pair of old boots or something. Paddy, you're not going to use them again. I have no jerseys left. I definitely won't need the boots, but I don't know if Eddie Dublin here left. Andy Moore will give us a few Leitrim jerseys, will he? He could do, yeah. Or how about you boys putting on a shooting session for a, a couple of, maybe the winner or something like that? Maybe that could work. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, this is what happens, Jimmy. Every week there's something new added to the contract. <laughs> that's exactly how it goes. So I suppose we're burying, this fellow. we're burying the lead here in ways. You were in Croker on Saturday night, Paddy, were you? I was indeed, yeah. It was, uh, I'd start, I'd say it was actually great to be back and a bit of a crowd in Saturday night. Uh, I'd imagine they got a, a big viewership on TV as well. It was just a, a buzz that people could go to games. And, and even seeing it yesterday, it, I was never as happy to be retired yesterday. I was sitting on the couch with the heat on, watching these absolute biblical storms across the country. And the three games, you know, Kerry and Clare wasn't too bad, but the two live games on, on TG Carr yesterday. You now, TG Carr were getting very salty with their replies on <laughs> Twitter. They weren't impressed with people telling them to wipe the cameras. But um, Rightfully but so. Just, Fair play to them. It was unbelievable conditions. I would I would say actually it was O'Donoghue's Twitter account that set off Michal O'Donnell to let to let out that post last night. So Michal There was a few. Now to be fair, it wasn't just Jimmy, there was a few no. people calling them out and they were not happy with uh, what was going on. And then they actually made a point of cutting to the cameraman and it did look catastrophic. Oh, it's horrendous. But uh but that was just you know it just reminded me of like the times going on anytime you go play in the west of Ireland in January or February. You've got no chance. It's got to be an absolute nightmare. Um, so I was happy to be at home, uh, but it was great to see uh, massive crowds across the country, despite the weather. People were just mad for old, mad to get back out and, and watch games, no matter the weather. So in that regard, it was a great advertisement for the National League, but it was very difficult for all teams mm. over, the, over the couple of days to Especially play. Especially Sunday, yeah. Sunday was, Sunday was worse. Unfortunately, there wasn't that excuse on Saturday night in Crow Park. Um, no. like it, was, it was probably, it was a brilliant game to kick off the National League. It was a brilliant advertisement for what we have spoken about, about that Armagh team over the last number of years. McGinney's there eight years now. Yeah. And it's a unique situation that not many coaches get that time, but because he is arguably their, their most famous player, a brilliant leader for them. He has been building this team over the last number of years and getting promoted to Division 1 last year, pushing Monaghan, one of the games of the championship last year, so close to being in an Ulster final. There's been progress from, from Armagh year on year on year and you can see that coming through with each of their games. 
everyone loves to watch them because of their style of play. They're so expansive. It's nearly a throwback. To, it's not something you would have associated with. The Ulster Championship gets, rightly or wrongly, gets kind of ridiculed for the defensive nature and the cynical side of the game. But look, that's just part of the game across the board. I don't think that's just an Ulster, but Armagh mm-hmm. are like a breath of fresh air. That the, the players they have, the style of play they have. And I was worried. I, I said at Crow Park would suit this Armagh team. They haven't played there much. Um, but it was a massive win for them in the development of that team. We, we said last year was about consolidating and staying in Division 1 and trying to win a couple of Ulster Championship games. And they did that. This year was about pushing on again. Because of the age profile of their players, they're only going to get better. And to go to Crow Park in the first night of the National League against Dublin, that was a massive performance from them. And they were no bones about it. And you can look at it, there are certain, I suppose get out of jail cards for Dublin and that it's the first game in the National League. You look across at a lot of the top teams yesterday were, were pretty rusty over the weekend. There's players to come back from injury. All those normal excuses, which are to an extent valid at this time of the year. It's still January, but Armagh absolutely blew them out of the water and were full value. It was a brilliant performance from them. Their style of play is suited to Crow Park. You could see that. The speed at which they move the ball, the directness at which they play. The intent, yeah. Totally across the board, across the board, they had a specific game plan. They were targeting that Dublin full back line and they did it over and over again. They were smart in their play. They were a lot more solid defensively, I mm. felt, than they have been. That was a, a challenge you would have put to that Armagh team over the last number of years, particularly you look at how they lost that game to Mon in the end. Just the naivety, yeah. silly fouls and just inexperience. I, I, I loved how... You mentioned salty earlier on. I loved how salty and sour Kieran McGinney was in the post-match interview afterwards. I suppose it probably helped him. He probably didn't want to be talking up Armad's win that much, no. you know? But he said, Kieran McKeever has done serious work with that defence. And he goes, last year against Monaghan, there was unfair coverage. There was boys saying that you could drive a bus through our defence and that was untrue. We had a lot of key lads injured versus, versus Monaghan last year. Like, Patrick... There's a matter of players are injured. That game against Monaghan, they were wide open. So, so I don't buy that. Look at the scoreline. Mm. So I don't care about that. That's nonsense. And you can defend your team, but they were wide open. The improvement, I 100% agree. They were far more solid in their defence against Dublin at the weekend. They shut Dublin down. Now, there's an issue with Dublin in their attack as well, that they weren't exactly challenged. But I'm talking about our man in terms of the growth of their team year on year on year. And that is what the big question mark was for a lot of teams that, that for, for basically the past decade, you've had the established order of Dublin, Kerry, Mayo, to an extent, Tyrone. And, and, and only two years ago, everyone was talking about that, that the Gaelic football has got boring, that the gap is just too wide and there's no teams pushing into that bracket. And we spoke on it last year. We're looking, can Galway get back? Can Cork get back? Can Kildare get back? Can Armagh get back to what they were like when McGeaney and McKeever were playing? That's what we want to see. We want to see new teams, young players, coming through, exciting. And, and that's what Armagh have done. And it's taken time for McGinney to do that. It's taken patience from the Armagh supporters and, and from him himself, and I'd say for the players. But you're starting to see the rewards of that. It's a brilliant start for them. They were full value. Their style of play was exciting. That's a massive positive for them. And the confidence, that's a statement win for that team. Yeah. They played They played the All-Ireland Champions at home on, on this weekend in the second game. And now Armagh are not worried about 
like say last year, maybe consolidating Division One status. They're looking to push on again now. And it was a stark contrast to where they are at in their journey and how they performed to what we've seen from, from Dublin at the weekend. And like I say, despite, okay, some valid reasons why Dublin might not have been at their best, there were definitely some worrying trends. Give it to us. What were they, Paddy? If I look at things that they will need to work on and they review this week, I thought defensively they lack structure totally. Like our mass score 215, if you're being honest, there was definitely opportunities for another two to three goals at least with our mass. They targeted a full back line and this is where I, 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 def- I wouldn't say defend the full back line, but a full back line and, and Davy Byrne and Lee Gannon in one of his first games for the senior team in Crow Park. There's not a, if you're completely isolated, it's very difficult. Like an isolated full back line and being peppered with balls there, that's a consequence of what's going on out the pitch. Dublin, our team at our peak and Dublin over the last number of years, what people will associate, you'll think of Keen O'Sullivan, you'll think of John Small, you'll think of Johnny Cooper, guys who protected that full back line. Yeah. Like the option for those 40, 50 yard kick passes from Grugan into Reno O'Neill one on one, they weren't there. It mightn't have always been seen, it mightn't have been obvious, but for opponents, and James will know this from, from playing against that, it was very difficult to get at a Dublin full backling. And that's whether it's Davy Byrne or Mick Fitzsimons or Johnny Cooper, whoever it was, that structure in the defence wasn't there at the weekend. And that's, that's a, an awareness that, from the players. Is that coming a, from, say, like one of the first things that happens in that game is Brian Howard pulls off his pirouette and his goose step and he scores a brilliant point. But Howard is playing six and he doesn't really strike me as that being Brian Howard's best position. And like obviously different managers are using different players Tom, in different positions. Like between, Tom Lehiff is in a half forward line or half back line. I'll tell that, you, it's between the players, the leadership and the defence, so your full back, your goalkeeper, your centre half back, managing that situation. It's from the coaches as well that these are non-negotiables. If Brian Howard is going with the pitch, well, that someone else is back there. That's a, that's a structure and a game plan between the coaches and the players. That has to be there. It's not one person's job, even though like Keno Sullivan was kind of a, a poster child you, for, you do for it the all. team. That was yeah. a communal, that wasn't just Keane, that was the defence and the coaches together arranging that. That wasn't there at the weekend. Mm. And, and then you couple that with a young guy, Lee Gannon, is playing his first game in Crow Park for the senior team. That's a big ask. It's, it's hard in that environment, particularly when you're left isolated. Davy, I thought, was probably up against it in the O'Brien Cup against um, against Leash. I, I probably got away with it because they weren't as clinical, whereas Reen O'Neill was on it. And that's where you, you, you kind of, there's a caveat that it is still January. Players are not at their, their peak fitness yet, but that's a structural thing I would look at in their defence they need to have that far more solid. Particularly, you look at their next game, they're going to Tralee this Saturday night. Yes. They're coming up against probably David Clifford in there, Killian Spillane. Are you telling me what Kerry are not going to target that area? That well, that's the, I want to ask, I want to ask James that. James, Saturday night, you're sitting on the couch, you're watching that game and I know you were saying you, you got to sit back and enjoy and watch it, but would you have relished, if you were in contention to start for Kerry this weekend, would you have relished facing that Dublin defence this Saturday night? Well, it's a tough one because I think that our man forwards were so good that they exposed Dublin. Like, it wasn't like Dublin showed up and were just bad for no reason. Like, our man were exceptional. The way they played, 
the game, the, the brand of football they had was so dangerous for any backline. So it's easy for us to criticise Dublin, I think. But when you talk about that relationship between, say, your, your Killian O'Sullivan or your Keane O'Sullivan and your full backline, mm. the only way that got that good was because it developed over time. And what happens is you get burned a couple of times. Say Keane O'Sullivan leaves Johnny Cooper isolated and someone gets a goal on Johnny Cooper. Guaranteed they're going into the dressing room and they're having it out. But they, they're only having it out because something's gone wrong. This the is the exact way- point, James, we spoke yeah. about last week for, for your goal in 2013. I remember these conversations. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's all well and good in, in training and having these conversations. Until it happens in games... That's where you learn the harshest lessons. You get your feedback on the pitch when you play your opponents and you play in the biggest games. And that's the, the, the point I'm making as well. Dublin are at the phase now where they have to bring through newer players. That is just the natural evolution of that team and whether Dublin supporters will have to be patient with that. It's going to take time. There's been a, a massive turnover in the squad. That's why we, we, you nearly praise what James Horn has done with Mayo because they were in a similar situation where eight, nine, ten key, key players were moving on and you've got to bring in younger guys that, that won't have that experience. You can't expect a league Allen to come in and, and have the, the nous that Johnny Cooper's has because that's earned over time. You don't No one 19, 20-year-old has that. It takes time to learn that and build those relations but that's where Dublin are at now yes I still think once they get a full squad back they're going to be absolutely one of the competitors to win the All-Ireland but the consistency which Dublin had for seven, eight, nine years where it was seamless no matter really who was playing guys are injured the other guys will come in that's not going to be there because the depth isn't there and Desi needs to find new players yeah. that is just the evolution of that team but, but on, on, on the other side but don't go, don't worry. leave the defence yet. Don't leave the defence yet. I just have a question, one more question on this because it's just, it's really interesting because it was so stark. I think it was like last year, Paddy, we were sitting beside each other and it kind of, it was a shock to see it kind of unravel the way it did against Mayo and like that can just happen. It was, you know, you spoke about it, about it being the first time a lot of these lads had ever lost. So it didn't really feel real that it happened last year. It did. It, you know, Henley got the two takes at a free and it, you know, Mayo won and they went on. It was parked. You were expecting a reaction this time, though. And watching it Saturday night, and to put it into context, because we have to deal with it in this way, because we are coming off the back of the most historic run we've ever seen in Gaelic football and the greatest team we've ever witnessed, you know, put that run together. But James, if we were to consider Dublin's defensive display, and I know it's different, the amount of players that are missing, but Dublin's defensive display that Armagh were able to take apart at the weekend in comparison to, say, the defence that you faced back in twenty. 15 in the All-Ireland final that day where we spoke about it last week. You've Cluxton and Golds, Cooper, Rory O'Carroll, Philly McMahon in the full back line, James McCarthy, Keane O'Sullivan, Jack McCaffrey in the half back line. And that's going up like we're talking about a Kerry team that has a pretty decent full forward line of Colin Cooper, Paul Ganey, James O'Donoghue and Kieran Donahue to come back in. You know, you've got a half forward line there of Stephen O'Brien, Johnny Buckley, Donica Walsh. What were Dublin like when you were facing them then? Because it's a completely different proposition to what they are now. They also had Bastic coming back and helping the boys. So he played an unbelievable role for them as well. But they played, the difference is, is that they played as a unit. And they never left anyone isolated. But now in 15, to be fair, in that 15 game, it was 
the worst weather <laughs> imaginable. Yeah. So, well, it wasn't as bad as Markovic Park, yes. Different game. But at the same time, you just knew how organised they were. And even the communication sometimes, if you're a forward and your man is yapping to his his body wing back or cornerback, you go, these fellas are, are seriously organised. I'm not going to get anything too cheap here. It, it's right. actually your mindset straight away. Whereas if you come in against a quiet six backs, you kind of already you're up a bit, but like I remember those boys were moaty. They were pure moat and kind of a bit of badness, but not too much. And they were just so well well oiled. But, but they, that was that was one of the great defensive All Ireland displays from that Dublin defence that day. Yeah, to it keep was. you boys to nine points, like yeah, 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 yeah. We only scored twelve. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a pity that the weather was like that because um, we'd have won otherwise. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> I've heard this before a few times. Nah, I'm only joking. But it was, yeah, it was. Um, it but when was, you when we talk about the relationship the that the defenders thing, have there, James, but no, just can I just say a big thing on this? We're talking about structure and organisation. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. Dublin were completely and utterly outworked on Saturday night as well. Yeah, that's the second point I'm making. Whatever about structure and things are important. But I've seen numerous tackle counts that. Some of them were different by, by one or two tackles each, but it yeah. was completely clear. Armagh had doubled the amount of tackles and intensity compared to what, what Dublin had. And that's the point I'm making that even if guys are one-on-one inside, and Dublin would have always been pretty brave in terms of, of, of backing our defenders to be able to deal with it, but they've no chance if there's no pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm looking at Groog and, and these guys, Charlie O'Burns, they've three or four seconds, 50 yards out, to put these passes in. Like we're talking about Bastic and, the, and these guys and when, when we were playing Kerry and we were at our best, that's a non-negotiable. No one should have, and our games against Mayo, you look at what Mayo did to Donegal coming down the stretch yesterday. There should not be two seconds on the ball, never mind four and five. And that's a massive thing as well. Outside of the structure, there was just a, a lethargy to Dublin's play defensively that Armagh had time to do what they wanted to. And, and they're one team that you just do not want to do that to. And that's it was a target of our man. You could see that the, the game plan they had, and they were absolutely allowed to execute that. That's a worrying thing, I would say. That's not, oh, we'll wait till we get three, four, or five different players back. That's yeah. a mentality at the minute. And no, I get that guys are not going to be as fit at the minute, but that was a that was a, an issue I would have felt. It's something you can rectify pretty quickly. I'm sure they're going to look at it. But that was another major question mark you're looking there going, whatever about the structure and isolating guys. But if you're putting no pressure on the ball, that's there's going to be hard conversations had this week in Dublin on the back of that. Because that's How does that really happen? non-negotiable. How does that happen? Guys aren't switched on. But as well, it happens Paddy, from, from turnovers as well. Like the more you give the ball away, the harder you have to work. And as well, the more out of position you are. Whatever about your teams or a team, you know, going into into a big level of success, you always kill the ball. The ball mm. goes at worst wide. You, you're set up again. If you're giving the ball away needlessly, just handing it over to the opposition, they're going to be in space just naturally because of the way you're attacking and they're, and they're defending. So you're giving them free ball. Whereas if you give them a kick out, you can set up. And Dublin were unbelievable at setting up, but mm. they turned over too much ball. But when that does happen, what's interesting, I thought, is defensively, right? Davy Byrne for Rian's goal. 
mm. marked him from the front, right? A, a mile from the front. Yeah. Even though out the field, Armagh had the ball in a lot of space. Mm. Like, I just thought that he, he was asking for trouble in that situation. He should have just got behind him, got tight, and tried to contest the ball maybe when he came in. But once he left, once he played from the front, with that much time on the ball outside, it was trouble. So if there's not okay. pressure on out the field and the full back is doing that, the full forward is thinking, I'm on here. 150 million percent. But that's a style of play. This is what I'm talking about. Davey's mentality, and it's not just Davey. Dublin have had over there's you play from you be aggressive and you do that because it was just a given merely unconsciously that there's going to be structure out in the middle of the field exactly what you were saying we're not going to give away silly turnovers we're going to mind the ball there's going to be pressure on the ball so I'm going to play on the front foot Mayo would have been very like that against us as well but they knew they could play like that because the pressure was coming out the field if you are standing on the 45 or 50 yards out and, and you have three or four seconds on the ball at this level you are going to put balls you're going to take that full back out of it it was Aidan Nugent with the pass by the way nine, nine times out of ten that's going to happen because it's no pressure these are top quality players they're going to be able to do that under no pressure and, yeah. and, and it's a massive risk to be taken but I can see why I understand why you're in that mentality and this is the thing I'm talking about with Dublin it's nearly between some players are still playing the way as if it's three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got to adapt and evolve to the play and, and see where you're at in the game and say, oh, exactly what James is saying, this isn't on. I know I'd rather play this way. This is the way I'd normally play and, and have played. But there's no pressure on that ball out there. Mm. got to be more conservative. And then with the ball, with the ball, Paddy, like with, with into the ball, the, before we even get into the shooting efficiency, like the lateral play, like Armagh played with such punch and intent and you were seeing Dublin do things like Niall Scully marking a ball and he, he nearly didn't take the mark in the second half and he did take it, but it didn't really seem like a shooting position that Niall Scully, Niall Scully should be shooting from. There was wild shots in the first half. So uncharacteristic. It, it is uncharacteristic and the same thing I would say, this was shown in the All-Ireland semi-final last year in the second half. Dublin are, are playing passively on the ball in their attack. And, and that, that's developed over... They haven't really evolved their attacking game plan in about three or four years. And what was working in the 2018-2019 finals, where we were very... I wouldn't say conservative at the time, we were very methodical in how we played. It suited the group of players we had. We knew exactly what we were trying to do. We were going to keep the ball, and you can say it was boring or whatever it was. It was patient on the ball, but we knew we had strike runners coming. We knew everyone was on the same page. We're going to work the ball to Mannion, Bernard, Dean, Khan, whoever it was, and we'll take three minutes to do that. Or if that doesn't work, we have Jack McCaffrey or James McCarthy or Brian Fenton coming through like a train, yeah. um, Michael yeah. R. McCauley. That style suited the players we had, and we mastered it. Dublin haven't really changed that. They're doing the same thing now with a completely different set of players than four years ago and that it, it's passive there, there's no risks being taken in the Dublin and I, again I totally understand why that is because they've got into this mindset and a style of play we're going to mind the ball and we're going to be conservative on the ball and we're going to keep it and try and work a shot but teams we thought teams figure this out there needs to be innovation there needs to be evolution all the time and what necessarily worked three or four years ago for a certain set of players 
may not necessarily work right now. Look at the, the growth of the teams that have come to the fore. Tyrone winning the All-Ireland. Look how Mayo have evolved their game, bringing through younger, faster players. Look at what Armagh have done. A prime example, their opponents on Saturday night. Dublin's attacking play just seems... They don't have those strike runners coming through anymore. They're, they're, they're keeping the ball for two or three minutes and they realise we're not getting anywhere here. And all of a sudden, that's when you start getting bad shots. Dublin had less than 50% scoring efficiency at the weekend. 14 wides, four balls dropped short. Only 18 months ago, we're talking about 75, 80%. The highest in the country was, bar none. It was last May. That, it, that's how quickly this can turn. Yeah. And you can see it, there, there's Dublin, I feel... There's a risk aversion in their attack and play. There's a complete lack of kick passing. The game is is evolving. That's the way it's going. It's going back to maybe a more traditional side of, of speed and play and moving the ball up the pitch quickly. Dublin with short kickouts and hand passing and carrying the ball up the pitch. Our man know that's coming. That's what they set up like that. That's the point they're making. You're not even challenging the Armada defence on, on Saturday night. That there has to be innovation. There has to be a change or a... To bravery is the right word. It's, it's nearly a mindset that can we move the ball up the pitch quickly? Can we probe more? Can we get kick passes in? How many times are, you look at Green O'Neill on one end of the pitch, and I've seen it in last year's All Ireland semi final against Mayo, you have Conor Callahan in there, and Dublin do not kick the ball in. And Mayo were playing one on one, but it's so entrenched hand pass, hand pass, hand, and Mayo start turning them over. So it's, it, sounds, it sounds frighteningly bad in ways if a style of play has been embedded in a team for so long like I would be wary of how quickly that can change except for the fact that we're talking about Dublin here we're talking about Dublin who have talents like Conor Callaghan Kieran Kilkenny who has previously played and been so effective in a more direct style you've Cormac Costello who's up front Paddy Small like Dublin could flick a switch over the next six seven weeks stay up in division one and completely alter their style could, could they? That's that's the challenge for them. That's the challenge for Desi and the coaches and the players themselves. And like I say, they realise these things. This is not... These are smart players. These are some of the best players in, of the last generation. Desi, Mick, Alvin, brilliant coaches who understand this as well. But it will take time to do this. But mm. it needs to happen. It needs to happen. And nearly trudging along and winning or scraping another All-Ireland, but they... they they could have scraped through that game against Mayo last year and maybe scraped a final. I feel like the Mayo game was like a watershed for that. That it was like this passive style of play, teams are starting to figure this out. Teams are being really aggressive. They're pushing up. We need to go back, nearly go back to the future and start taking risks again. Start kick-passing the ball more. Start moving the ball and transitioning up the pitch quicker. Yes, you might have more turnovers, but they're aggressive turnovers. They're not the turnovers you're seeing at the weekend where it's guys are literally standing still, they don't know what to do or they're hand-passing the ball three yards and it's being intercepted. Yeah. That's sloppy. But I, I think Dublin will understand that. Saturday was another eye-opener for them that the game is moving on from things that worked two, three years ago. And the players, younger players and newer players coming into the squad need to adapt to that. But also the experienced players as well need to realise and go, okay, yes, we have guys coming back. It is still so early in the season. Fitness will increase. Experienced players will come back. But a, a worrying trend, I would feel, is the passiveness in their attack. That there yeah. needs to be a plan B, a plan C, and a more bravery on the ball, more risks. Even if it means turning over a 50-yard kick pass. I'd rather that 
trying to hit Conor Callahan in the full forward line than a five-yard hand pass sideways yeah. and being intercepted at midfield. At least you've lost what was happening on Saturday night? Say it again, James. At least you've lost the ball. Yeah. Look away from your own goal then at the very least. But yeah. when, Paddy, when you talk about um, about the half-back line that the Dubs had, like, like their half-back line the last day with Gannon, oh no, with Lahif, John Small and Howard kind of sitting, it didn't have that delayed punch that you had oh. with McCaffrey and James McCarthy. So you, you kind of, they were kind of messing around with the ball up front and almost in the back of their head, they might've been thinking, right, one of the boys will be coming on. Yeah. But realistically, they, yeah, they exactly. Like I'd, I'd, I would get, I'd get Howard back in the forwards. He was an unbelievable wing forward. Now I think he's, right, he's, yeah. rated, he's rated very highly and he can run the game from centre back. And I know Dublin are caught as well, but I would just play him up there because he'll swing over a couple of points or he'll create something. He has that kick pass in the locker and mm. he has a shot in the locker. But yeah. if you look at up front, right, we're talking, we're talking why Dublin are caught. Aaron Byrne, he gave him 15 minutes, his club mate, and he whipped him. Like, I hate to I see he's a knock now, to be fair. There, there, is word, there is word that there was an injury there, yeah. I do think he's a knock. You have to yeah. say that. I felt sorry for him because Dublin obviously weren't functioning and I hate seeing a corner forward taken off them but I mean that's just if he was he'd a knock he'd a knock you would Costello and you would Pascal right yeah Costello is one of the best subs you could wish to have I think that if you had him coming off the bench he's almost guaranteed the same amount of scores off the bench as he is from the start but like if you if you can shake that up, bringing back in Conor Callaghan, possibly Rock, with Costello either starting or off the bench, you're already 10 times better. Yeah. You, know? you, you Like you are going to get stronger. And then you have the likes of Bernard and Pascal to come on and suddenly you're a different outfit. Yeah. You know who Dublin remind me of at the moment? And this is going to sound ridiculous, but they remind me of Man United when Ferguson left, right? And Moy <laughs> was stuck between a rock and a hard place he didn't know whether to continue with what he had or to go with what kind of he wanted Fellaini <laughs> I know that Desi Farrell has has won the All-Ireland but realistically like it's come at a time where Dublin have a serious turnover of players now so like I think that they, they obviously have to change big style but the players as Paddy said are caught between the old system and the new system a couple in turnover of players and now it becomes very difficult. Yeah. And the thing is that they're not being judged as a normal team. They're being judged as the greatest. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's the case. And we, we have to, and I, I, that's really interesting, Dave. Like we have to see them through that lens because, and it's hard to separate it because there has been such a change, Paddy, from all you boys that left. Well, and I, I'm cognizant we could be having a very similar conversation next Saturday night. And Paddy, you're going to start giving out to me in the next five minutes about time so I'm going to let you come in with one last I point I to say on this right Dublin should be measured through that lens because Dublin are trying Dublin are competing to win the All-Ireland and if Dublin don't win the All-Ireland you know inside the camp the coaches and the players not winning the All-Ireland is an unsuccessful season despite everything we've just said that yes there's been a massive turnover of players that yes there, there's younger guys coming through and it takes time to blood these guys in but there are still a nucleus of a team there that when they have their best 15 players on the pitch, mm. James McCarthy, Michael Simons, Fenton at his best, Kieran at his best, Khan coming back in, 
they are still going to win the All-Ireland. And if they don't, that's the standards they're at. So uh, I don't feel sorry for them that they're being measured to these standards because that's what's expected in Dublin. That's what's expected within that group as well. And it is, like I say, it's early in the season and these players will get better. They'll get fitter. You have, like I say, some of the marquee guys coming back. But what you've seen last August and what we've seen on Saturday night, there, there's immediate concerns that I'm, I'm talking about in terms of structural defence, in terms of a mentality when they're on the ball, how they attack and a style of play. And James has hit the name in the head. And, and I, I can totally get why players are standing there and they're waiting and they're keeping the ball because there's... You're nearly unconsciously thinking, well, McCaffrey's coming through here or McCauley's coming. And that, that was just such a gold mine for us. That's not there anymore. Which automatically says, well, we need to tweak how we attack. Things that worked with certain personnel, they're not there anymore. So we need to suit our new players. So what suits Tom Lehiff? What suits Lee Gannon? What suits Aaron Byrne? Because they're not the same players. Not better, not worse. They're just different players than Paul Mannion and Jack McCaffrey and these guys that's the challenge that's the evolution of a team you've got to match we said it so many times last year with Andy the best coaches get the best out of their players at their disposal there's no point in playing a game plan that was brilliant four or five years ago for a brilliant group of players that are now talking shite on podcasts or sitting (laughs) in the pub with their mates they're not there anymore you've got to fit the new players so they're the things at the minute I would say Dublin need to look at addressing and they will because there's like I say there's there's seven games in the next couple of months and couple that with players coming back from injury I'm not writing them off in any way shape or form but there's definitely things to take from the Mayo game last August mm. and what we've seen on Saturday night that, that need to be addressed that need to be looked at and looked at pretty quickly over the next couple of weekends that's, that's going to be so interesting to follow and watch over the next little while there's one thing can I jump in there for one yes act? go for James the only thing about Dublin that I'm worried about, right, is their fear factor is going to, to go. If they lose, if they lose in Trilly, right, there's a different perception of Dublin then around the country. Then they're seriously vulnerable. Even if you're not, even if you're vulnerable but people don't know, you're fine. If you're vulnerable and people think you're vulnerable, you're even worse off, you know? And I think... If someone draws Dublin now in a big game, after Dublin have lost possibly a couple of league games, there's going to be a different confidence to the opposition. And that's the one thing that if Dublin aren't careful, they could lose that fear factor. That that was something we would have spoke about in our time at our absolute peak, that there were certain games we did not want to lose. We, we We never sat down in January with Jim Gavin and it was like, we're going for the National League here, lads. We want to win that trophy in... April or whenever the final was but there was games where we're, if we were going to Castlebar or if we're playing Eagles down in Kerry or up in Crow Park they were games where it didn't even need to be said but that's the exact thing you're talking about James we don't want to let these guys beat us if we're going to win the All-Ireland we're going to have to beat probably at least one or both of these teams do not give them a mental edge even though it's a league game in February or March and afterwards, if you lost it, you come out and say, "Ash, it's only February, and March." There's a mental thing there. Your biggest, you know, who your competitors are going to be in the championship. Don't give them an inch. Keep them down. Keep your foot in their neck. And you're right. Once the cracks start appearing, that air of invincibility, it wanes a little bit. And with each 
each little defeat or each little moment that happens and that's what they're fighting against now because it, it would have been unheard of for a man to come to Crow Park and win a game like that and win it in the style they did or the way Mayo fought back from nowhere against Dublin in the semi-final that's that's the challenge it can't go on forever but you're right as more and more of these games happen all of a sudden Tyrone are thinking we don't mind going to Crow Park to play Dublin or Kerry are thinking we, we can't wait to play them in the championship and that's that's the, a couple of percent straight away that, that that's that's on the line there in these games over the next couple of weeks yeah, and that's it. If Dublin go to Tralee and win, they've forgotten about Armagh, the country's yeah. forgotten about Armagh, and that's it. They're back on the way up. That's why that game in Tralee is so important. Yeah, so it's, important. Go- it's going to be box office. And look at really interesting we, we needed to spend a good bit of time on Dublin today it was the, the big result of the weekend I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it again next week whatever way that result goes so like Desi saying after the game that he's not expecting to have Conor Callaghan Paddy Small Colin Baskell Johnny Cooper James McCarthy Mick Fitzsimons or Robbie McDade back this weekend so they're going to be up against it now before we leave this game we have to mention the rock star that is Reen O'Neill and James O'Donoghue <laughs> tell me what you liked about Reen O'Neill at the weekend can we talk about his goal and the finish I loved how he finished that goal past Comerford his goal was class but it, it was it was the way he recognised as we spoke earlier that the man outside had time he probably faked to the front we didn't see it in the camera went back hand up next thing he's in on goal and a lot of fellas there would put the head down and lace it, mm. like with the laces. He kind of faked to do that and just opened the body and just put a lovely side foot into the corner, unstoppable. And like it was the confidence. He just has this air of camp, almost a bit like Michael Murphy. So the way sometimes Murphy just, you wouldn't even think he's in a big game. He just kind of does it kind of almost willy-nilly. Arian almost has that. He just turns up and plays at a, and a five out of ten emotion kind of thing. Doesn't get too hot and bothered, just plays nice and calm and comes up with outrageous scores. Like the point he got from... Under the Hogan. About 25 yards out, yeah, under the Hogan. It was just sensational. Yeah. Because he could have sat back. He could have sat back and goes, right, I got my goal now, maybe a point. I'll play it safe. I'll give it off, come on the loop. He threw it over from there and it just put Armagh onto an even higher scale then. You yeah. know, they were yeah. even singing off a, off a better hymn sheet. So... Yeah. I it's, think he is he is class. It's funny, Paddy. Um, I got a couple of tweets afterwards. I said to our math fellas and they were saying, how the hell did none of you mention Reen O'Neill as your player to watch? And I remember myself and yourself, actually, I threw it out there and you said, Reen O'Neill, that's like picking David Clifford as your player to watch. Yeah, like, you know, just, you had him so highly rated coming up. We, like a lot of people did anyway. Like, we know what he do. Brian Fenton's a good player to like, <laughs> We're talking about ones that like newcomers. Don't be annoying you with that nonsense. I say that to you. Block him. Well, we won't block anybody. But yes, but but O'Neill, like Paddy, like uh talk oh, about yeah, he was on it that night. He, he was he, on his it. Com- his composure was so impressive. Yeah. But like and it can be challenging for a guy like Sibran away to Murphy. You're so good. You're moved around positions. You're nearly used to plug we need him in the middle of the field to do this, or we need him at number eleven in certain games because of mm. athleticism. Or we put him on inside in the square and this game because we feel you can get one-on-ones in there he's just an all-round he's a brilliant player yeah he kind of he has all the right he ticks all the boxes his athleticism his mentality his toughness but like I said that that composure as well like I said, you can be a really athletic guy and you're all action and you get one-on-one with the goalkeeper and it's 
like exactly what Jimmy's saying, just put the laces through. That was just, that was a class finish. It reminds me of James. Uh, Donny had this quote in 2014 that Gooch was out injured that year and he spent a year telling Kieran to pass the ball to the net. And it's mm-hmm. what he thought of when he was one-on-one with Papa Durkin in the All-Ireland final and he passed it to the net. Did Gooch ever have to tell you that or did you do the same thing? Gooch had a saying, he'd say, you can, there's a difference between blasting it and kicking it hard. Like, you can still have a really hard finish rather than blasting it. Like, you can hit a hard finish into the corner with the side of your foot. And he was mm. trying to get that across the fellas because Donny did like the... Donny used to nearly outside of the boot a goal chance. <laughs> and then if he went over the bar, he go, I was going for the point. You are. <laughs> but, like, I just think that Rian has this... He has this thing, as you said, where he could be moved around. But... They need to play him top of the square. Leave him there. Mm. Leave him become the player he needs to become because they will cost him. You'll almost cost a fella run a farm by moving him around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the that's like it's the, the danger of Tony Gall have done with Murphy James. That, that, yeah. He's so good. We need him out here for, for this period of the game. Like imagine what Michael Murphy would have racked up in his career if he was just left inside with Paddy McBeard. But they didn't have the luxury of doing that. Mm. That's why I feel I agree. If I was Ryan O'Neill, I'd be like, I'm not leaving the 21, and I'm gonna have I'll be player of the year by the end of the year. But it'd be interesting to see how he's deployed, and also it's a <laughs> he won't get the space that he was afforded against Dublin and Croke Park as well. No, he won't when they play this weekend against the All Ireland champions in the Athletic Ground. Tyrone, yeah. So it yeah. might be a case then. Well, he's not going to get a lot of ball in there in this particular game, so let's bring him out the field. And let him dominate it in another way. So that, that's the that's the challenge for a coach to it's one for the player to mentally be adaptable and understand. Okay, this game is likely to go this way. How do I have the biggest impact? And for eight players out of ten, they can't because they don't they don't have the yeah they don't have the skills to be able to do that. But for yeah. guys like him or Murphy, they can, and that's for McGinney and Donahue and, and for Ian himself to be able to use that. But if, yeah. if it's a case where it's one on one man-to-man and croaker, leave him on the square and just enjoy. 100%. We're going to have to move on, boys. We're going to have to one, move on. One last thing. One last thing. <laughs> Worth tomorrow. For Ryan O'Neill's development, he needs to play inside against Tyrone and against these crowds and try and sniff out a point or two and learn that as well. Because there's no point, I think, in just going inside when it's open. Because realistically, how many games are there like that? Do you know, he has, like, Murphy in 12 against Mayo when he caught that ball in the square mm. and got the goal. That won them the All-Ireland. Like, he only needs those one or two big plays. Yeah. And he'll learn that by playing against the hardest of defences. That's interesting. Yeah, that was worth, that was worth hanging on for. Shout out to Jason Duffy who pulled off the Kevin Mack into the hill with the lovely chip of the keeper. We're saying he meant it here in the football pod. It's the forward union. Moving on. We'll be talk, talking about our map plenty over the next seven weeks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more thing. Talk to us about Kerry Kildare. Kerry got caught at the weekend. We were all pretty confident, you know, that Kildare were going to show something different under their uh, dream management team at the weekend. And we definitely saw a response from Kildare. It was great to see the likes of Jimmy Highland flying, Daniel Flynn playing a much more, I'd say, mature kind of a role. Paddy, we saw Daniel Flynn in the, in the Leinster mm. final last year. He wasn't fully fit. He pulled off these incredible box office moments that we know he's capable of. He didn't score at the weekend, but by God, he set up nearly everything for his players. James, what did you think of Kerry Kildare at the weekend? 
Well, first of all, I suppose what you have to say is that it was on in Newbridge, right? Which is a huge <laughs> advantage. <laughs> Fucking where, where are you going with this? <laughs> I mean, like, realistically, Kildare got to an intensity that Kerry couldn't get to. Now, on that small field, they really did make hay. I think that, realistically, the team that Kerry have at the moment is probably suited to more expensive style of football. They don't have a big team. Their half-forward line was Burns, Clifford, and Darren Moynihan. They're all about five foot eight, nine. They are. So they did play quite a small team physically. And I think that it did show. And especially when Kildare changed things up and they brought on Feely midfield and they yeah. increased the physicality even again at halftime, Kerry seemed to struggle a little bit at that stage. But I don't think the Kerry are going to be concerned because... It's Jack's first game. You know yourself, what he needs is context. He needs a couple of those results. And a draw is a lot better than a defeat. They can go in training and have a nice relaxed chat about what went wrong, what they can improve, rather than being hammered down here and people saying, panic stations, we lost, we lost, we lost. We know we didn't play great, but there's things to improve on. We got out of there with a point. And does that happen? Does that happen a lot? The panic stations down in Kerry. Well, it does outside of the camp, which can actually be a nuisance, because fellas are sitting down at dinner, they're sitting down in the canteen at work, they're out town for a walk, and they're getting it, and it seeps in a small bit. You know, they go in training, and it's nice and relaxed. But realistically, when you're listening to it constantly outside after a defeat, it can seep in, especially to the newer crowd. There's no getting away from it in Kerry, is there? Lock the doors. <laughs> That's the only way. That's the only way. But in fairness to Kildare, I think that last weekend was for them. It was for them more than for Kerry. I think they're going to improve an awful lot from it. And they turned up with more than anyone expected. Mm-hmm. Like they came with a game plan. They came with ferocious intensity. And they chipped away, chipped away. Even when Kerry got the goal. When Killing Splang got the goal at the start after a flying mm-hmm. start from Kildare... I must say, I thought that might be the wind taken out of their sails. But they kept at it. They kept at it, kept chipping. Highland had a great game. He had Flynn aside with him and they just, they just kept at it. And I just thought it was a really good performance by them. And they came up miles in everyone's estimation after the weekend. 100%. Jimmy Highland, that point in the 68 minute, I think it was to bring it back to two points. Flynn forced a turnover in the Kerry half back line and you see four white jerseys breaking at electric pace. Highland takes it over his left shoulder and clips it over the bar. It was a savage score and I actually think it made it better that it was in Newbridge. Just that tight provincial ground, it just sounded, the sound was unbelievable. That was one of the moments of the weekend, I think. Um... In that Kerry performance, one of the standout things was Sean O'Shea playing more of a withdrawn role out around midfield. Is that something you think we're going to see a lot more of over the next couple of weeks? Or is it down to maybe the lack of size that Kerry are missing with, saying the Nguyen lads being away, Jim O'Connor, Jack Barry? I think it might have been something that Jack wanted to have a look at when he came in. Because there was calls down here to see, could Shawnee still offer the scoring threat? but be that kind of kick-passing option from midfield that Kerry were missing. Can he give that accurate kick-pass in and still kick his scores? Like, he kicked one outrageous score in the first half with his right. Um, But that's what you need Shawnee doing. Now, the talk down here is that he's going to end up in the forwards eventually. But would you take Paddy Clifford out of centre-forward or would you move one of them into the corner? 
So I think the Carrier caught in midfield at the moment. And when David Moran comes back, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I think that that was planned with Shawnee. The only thing is, from my opinion, I don't want to say too much about Kerry really this year at all, but he was picking the ball up very deep. And for a player of that ability, you would just love to see him playing the 40 over and back, just torturing some fella playing centre-back, getting kick passes and turning around and hitting David Clifford inside. But when he's giving that... like. Some midfielders, they're dropping back. They're getting a hand pass off the full back line and hand passing it to the half back line. And they're moving on. My mother could do that. There's no point in having, you know, one of your best players do it. I just think it's a bit of a waste. JB, I'd be amazed if we're here in the championship and Sean O'Shea is playing midfield. For, for that exact reason, I think Kerry, there's a personnel issue with the minute. This Again, this time of the year, Kerry are no different to, to the Dubs or any other team. There's guys with clubs, with colleges, injuries and things like that. Sean O'Shea is needed in the Kerry forward line. And Kerry have guys to come back. Midfield is, again, it's different in Newbridge in January than Pro Park in July and August when the All-Ireland is going to be decided. There's a certain athleticism, there's a certain size, there's a certain mentality you need. Look at the Tyrone boys, the two guys Tyrone had midfield last year. You need dogs of war in there. Mm. Sean O'Shea's greatest strengths are not that. Could he do a job there? Yes, potentially. But why would you want a player of that quality to just do a job when he's going to excel closer to goal? Yeah. And, and the key, if Jack O'Connor, I'd be amazed. If Kerry are going to win the All-Ireland this year, they need Clifford and O'Shea shooting the lights out. I, I think that's a necessity for, for them to do that I, I, I just can't see him being midfield in the long run will he be there at the weekend against Dublin possibly because there's, like, it's still so early in the season but, but come championship time I'd be amazed I, I just think he, he's a far better option and far more effective to carry and suits his own game better if he's further up the pitch as well but, but one thing I'd say on Kerry from looking at the weekend their backs are kind of questioned over the last number of years that yes they've got brilliant forwards but have they got the backs to kind of shut out the top teams there's a trend you're seeing with Kerry you see it in the last year semi-final in their own defeat against Tyrone you see it at the weekend like Newbridge is an unbelievable tight pitch at this level of football I think Kerry are struggling in their offensive style of play against teams that frustrate them when teams get number, numbers back when the spaces are tight I think Kerry are struggling to create big scoring opportunities. If I'm in that attack and you've seen it to an absolute hilt in the All-Ireland semi-final against Throne, the, the frustration that was there when numbers get back, Kerry are nearly falling into the trap that Dublin were doing as well. It's this kind of lateral passing. There's no real probing. There's no penetration there. Gavin White goes off injured at the weekend. He's given that... He's so important to that. Yeah. And breaking the line. We touched on it last year, Tommy, if you remember Clifford's goal against Tipperary in yeah. Turles, that there was that style of play. It was nearly like a set play. And he comes flying through, breaks two or three tackles, and all of a sudden there's the overlap for a goal. I feel they've struggled against that. Not just on Sunday, last year in the biggest games and over the last number of years. When space is at a premium, they're not getting the ball to Clifford. They're not getting the ball to Sean O'Shea. They're not getting the ball to their best shooters to create those one-on-ones. That doesn't happen by chance. That that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of all the players, all six forwards, probably the two midfielders, probably two and a half backs on the same wavelength. 
But but if I'm there, I look at the last plays in the All Ireland semi final last year. You're going, don't take a pot shot here. You need to work the ball. You need to get this to Clifford. You need to get it to O'Shea to get a score. I think they've struggled against that in big games. And it's something that Jacko is surely going to be aware of and looking at, that if teams are going to frustrate them, you look at the, the Monaghan uh, Tyrone game on Sunday, those two teams are going to do that. Armagh probably not so much. They're there near the outlier. Donegal are certainly going to do it. And if nearly if you're Dublin on Saturday, truly you're going, okay, we were wide open last week and we need to be more structured. We can frustrate Kerry and they've struggled against it. I want to, I want to see that. I want to see what their approach is to those type of challenges they're going to face over the National League because I think it's an area they've struggled with in the past. They're not creating spaces when teams have bodies back. Okay. Um, that's going to be very, very interesting to watch now on Saturday night. I think it's worth noting for all of our Kildare listeners that Paddy Andrews did make the point last week that he expects the game on game week four between Dublin and Kildare to end up in Crow Park eventually. <laughs> I think from listening to Paddy here talking about Newbridge, Newbridge or nowhere, I think that's... I'll that's be down there. I'll go down and have a look. It's beautiful <laughs> town. But... Right, lads, we're, we're, we're 57 minutes in to episode two this week and it's uh, I don't know whether it's a good sign or it's a bad sign that it's exactly the same trend that we followed last year with Andy James uh, we can't stop talking so just to run us through the results before we move on to a few other bits so in, in Division 1 Armagh top of the table the only team to actually win at the weekend Donegal and Mayo drew 11-11 we'll be coming back to that game in a little while I think we're going to focus on some of the scores in that game rather than getting stuck into the fact that it was the same old Donegal and the same old Mayo that we saw this weekend. Mayo able to claw their way back into a game. Donegal should have really won a game there that they played well in for, for quite a long time. Tyrone and Monaghan, like nine points apiece. In ways, that's all we need to say about that game. There are, there were some actually really interesting things going on in that game. You know, Began and Morgan again, we spoke about it last year, the, the impact of the flight keepers. James, I'd love to talk to you one of the days about some of the stuff that we saw from the overhead camera angle of the wrestling that was going on Jack McCarron was looking for a ball at the weekend one of the classiest foot forwards that we have in the game and whatever was being done to him I don't know uh, he was just he couldn't get near the ball on a good few occasions you could just see with the overhead camera I could and guess not, what was happening and not as well to clutch Conor McManus who uh, obviously landed that late score later what on the point on that he can't go past that he misses the free when he comes on yeah I think I actually texted him through the and the boys were straight on him. Hamsey and yes. Michael McKernan loves to chat as well. <laughs> and they were giving it to him. And McManus was having none of it. Peter Hart was in. It's unlike Peter Hart. He's not normally in that type of stuff. But they were giving it to McManus. And I'm thinking, he's just coming on in a game like that. Absolute storm. He missed the free. And the next ball he gets, he skins Hamsey inside and launches one over. I loved it a, <laughs> and he was giving it, he was giving it straight back to him it was a brilliant score and just that 90 seconds of, of missing the free getting the lip off all the lads and the next ball he's like right give me the ball I'm going to do this here that's that's why he's top class I, I loved it I have to give him a shout out for that but McManus in fairness he loves that rough stuff like whenever the camera goes onto him inside he's always belting for us <laughs> I can say to him will you just leave it off and just concentrate but for some reason he, he thrives off it and mm. it's it's actually very important when you're playing up the north especially if you don't like that kind of rough stuff realistically mm. you're not going to cut it up there so he loves it he loves horsing into fellas and then getting away and kicking but I just thought this 
but yeah, he is. He's, he's different gravy. Jimmy, it's gas. We're, we're forcing away, like, like you're the main man with Kerry for a couple of years, but you still have Gooch there or Gini or Danny. So they're, they're, and I'm playing. You got Bernal, you got Mannion, you got Khan. These guys. It's very hard for the team to focus solely on one player. That's nearly the best teams have always had two or three players that they occupy all the defenders. With Monaghan, we've nearly fallen short. They're so reliant on McManus that any time they go into an Ulster Championship game, the entire defence is nearly focused around, okay, Jack McCarran's come along now, Conor McCarthy to a lesser extent, but mm. if you're playing in the Ulster Championship, your defence is based on we're going to bury McManus. <laughs> we're going to have to... And he's, that's been the case for him for, for 10 plus years. And you're, every year, you just, I remember some of the games against Donegal when Donegal were going well and they were battling for Ulster Championships. And it was like McManus on his own against 10 Donegal defenders. Yeah. And he was still and, and against Tyrone. He's dragged him to Ulster but, finals on his own and, and winning Ulster finals. Unbelievable yeah. player. Like. Magic. That, Magic. That, that nearly epitomised him. That, that 90 seconds of play that's why he's one of the best in the game and has yeah. been over the last 10 years you know the thing about so, with so true is that he, he doesn't have a scoring zone like <laughs> oh, he's right on the right sideline oh, on the right yeah. sideline that's, that's the really benefit bad. when you're the best lad by a mile yeah. you just, you're not held accountable if you miss from the sideline so pull the trigger his highlight reel is phenomenal phenomenal mm-hmm. like he has scored some absolute worldies <laughs> and yeah, he is different gravy. But just on the on the inside, the pulling and dragging. Yeah, I, I, was, <laughs> I was playing one time against uh, against Tyrone inside. I was playing inside, and we were obsessed with GPS at the time. It was all high speed meters, yeah. so like you had to run for an inside forward. I don't know, was it maybe a kilometer high speed? Some or I can't even remember. No, maybe it was yeah. twelve hundred meters or something at the time. So to the listeners, that's over a certain speed. It's maybe three quarter pace at least. You have to run a kilometer during the game, and I was absolutely shattered after the game. I was like, I must have put in two thousand high speed meters. I checked my GPS. I was after doing absolutely nothing, only wrestling inside and knackering myself out wrestling with short runs. Do you know? So like the GPS will show if you're doing a lot of running. But it doesn't show anything about being absolutely tortured outside or inside <laughs> and having to wrestle fellas off before you even make a run. I'm the Royal Rumble with Park Hampshire there for 70 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and is it, is it being raised with you? Here, James, yeah. you didn't hit your numbers. Yeah. Not that, but it was like, what, what, what were you doing? <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. And <laughs> after that, I said, I do not want to hear about a GPS because no one, <laughs> the midfielders were looking like legends doing 2,000 high speed layers. No one touching it. You got to play the system, Jimmy. You got to know. You got to play the system with those things. I sprinted <laughs> off into the tunnel at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's easy meters to be gained around yeah. the pitch there. You just need to know what you're doing. So you did all the burnouts running. That's what, you, that's what you always said, didn't you? I used to have, yeah, 4K high-speed running. And I'd score one point. And burnout would have 400 meters and he'd score two seven. Or... <laughs> he'd just laugh. He'd literally just look at me and go, sure, what are you, you're a fool for doing that, like. <laughs> like fair enough. Um, that was that was a good one there. I, I hadn't I hadn't realized we were going to get into that there. To run through some of the other Division Two results, thoughts. Very some very stark results, and we're only going to touch on the results. We're going to take a quick ad break in a minute. We're going to come back and talk about a few of them. Derry, yeah. Grand Rory Gallagher said they were grand against Down. 
won 10 to 6. He wants to see a lot more of them. Um, but like that's an impressive win. I think James McCartan came into down very late. Um, he's starting to get a bit of a tune out of them. Kaylon Mooney nearly scored a goal of the weekend. He ran about 60 yards with the ball and it was saved. But yeah, some of the Derry boys played quite well. Connor Glass had a big game. Kieran McFall had a big game playing in a slight defensive role. I was at Claren Offaly. Offaly looked quite good early on. They had a strong wind. It was close. They, they probably had opened up a three or four point lead. Bernard Allen, Panda, swung a couple of brilliant points. But Clare got a goal after half time and they just played so intelligently in that second half. Managed the game so well, controlled it so well. Experienced Owen, team. Yeah, yeah. Owen Cleary um, scored a brilliant uh, free from the sideline. David Tuberty kicked a point, you know, the top scorer in the, in the league history. So Clare are a very smart team and I think Clare are going to do very well in Division 2 this year. They're the common second best in Munster as well realistically at the moment like they could they could get to a Munster final and you never know what could happen with them this year do you know mm. like they have a chance to actually put down a very good year this year they've been building for a long time all they need is a bit of luck in the draw and they could they could go far yeah it'll be, it'll be well worth watching them they're playing Derry I think in two weeks in Ennis um, isn't that the contrast Tommy and James you were saying that, that Colin Collins has had that team on the road like you say they've got guys like like Tuberty and Cleary have been around the block they've been, mm. they were close to getting promoted to Division 1 last season losing that game against Mayo in Ennis they're probably not a Division 1 team I would say I, I think they're probably just short of that but they're getting the most out of the players they have and you compare that to the Offaly team they're facing at the weekend who are on a bit of a high with, with, with Mahan and obviously Tomas O'Shea going in and getting promoted from Division 3 last year Offaly are nearly at the other end of the spectrum trying to bring through these 20s who have unbelievable talent and the sky's the limit nearly for them but that know-how and that experience like we're talking about it with Dublin and the guys they're bringing through it takes time to get that Clare are on that road a hell of a lot longer than that yeah. Offaly team um, and it will it will take time it will take time because like Cormac Egan came on the mullet the mullet man who had those <laughs> highlight reel last year he came on just before half time and Offaly were against the win in the second half. He couldn't get into that game. Jack Bryan came on with 20 minutes to go when Offaly were chasing him. I'm not sure Jack Bryan touched the ball. But like, Offaly couldn't get the ball into him. They just couldn't. Uh, Lee Pearson, small wing back, went off injured. Very impressive. He's one of the 20s as well. So there were the three 20s that were on offer. He kicked a brilliant score. I don't think his knee injury was too bad. It looked bad initially, but he kind of walked off the sideline beside us. So that was that. And in the final two results in Division 2 that we're going to touch on briefly, Roscommon 113, Cork 10. Keith Rickon has a lot of work to do on Cork. You can see he, he tried it. He had a lot of changes that first day out. Cork is going to be one to keep an eye on. And Galway won 14, Mead 6. 45 minutes before Mead kicked the point. Now, I know we're talking about... Do you want to spend as much time on Mead as we did with the Dubs, Tommy, or are you happy to push over this one? Oh, listen, we're not talking about seven in a row at learning winning champions here, Paddy. Different oh, standards, isn't it? We're definitely not. You're no, we're not. not. Tommy, don't, don't hear I don't know Tommy's clear now I don't know what to say about Mead because I wasn't there but I do know that they had more shots than Galway so <laughs> you know the shooting efficiency whatever about the win the wind is there for both teams Max. Uh-huh. what's the same as a win yeah the same yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you get a point for that you a point on the board for most shots <laughs> the results the results in Division 3 Limerick 4-9 Longford 1-11 so that's Longford under new management Billy O'Loughlin Limerick are, are been building really nicely under Billy Lee that's a big win for them Antrim have backed it up and the beginning is Antrim 1-14 to an 8 point win over Kieran Donnelly's Fermanagh his first game is Fermanagh boss and then Billy Sheehan and Leash good to see that 
Yeah. You know, him getting a good start, a good January after they had a tough first day in the O'Byrne Cup against Wexford. They conceded six goals. They bet loud by 3-9 to 1-10. I saw Sam Mulroy, the loud captain, kicking himself after the game. He missed a big goal chance in the first half and felt that was the swing of the game. And Wicklow nearly caused an upset against Westmead. They were flying early on. Um, but I think I'm just going to check what John Heston scored at the weekend none of us had John Heston in our fantasy team 16 points it wasn't far off at 7 wasn't far off it. but anyways Westmead 116 Wicklow 2-8 Division 4 finally just to run through the results here very very tight across the board Waterford 10 points Tipperary 10 points apparently Waterford's a very tough place to play James is it? it is Ireland or football? Football, far field. Oh, was it? Well, I played an under-21 game down in Waterford and I was just saying to you off air, whatever the wind is in the rest of the country, you can multiply it by 10 in Waterford, especially <laughs> in their football pitches. And in fairness, when they're at home, they are a very tough outfit to play against. And they would have fancied playing Tip. Tip have lost Quinlevin, probably coming down off the, off the high of the 2020 kind of campaign. Yeah. Realistically, how how are they going to pick themselves up again this year? Waterford, I know for a fact, looked at that game and had it penciled in. A good start to the league. They can they can topple Tip. To get away with a draw, I think Tip, they won't be overly disappointed because they could have easily been beaten there. Tip are playing Leitrim next week. Andy Moore and Leitrim, who lost by four points at home to Cavan. But reading all the reports after the game, you could really tell that there was a real buzz around Park Sean McDermott, which is just fantastic to see because... I was in the stand in Castlebar last year with Andy watching Mayo absolutely annihilate oh. Leitrim and it was live on TV and it was one of those games where we were looking at the championship and going, how are we doing this? How are we putting this, the same championship together like this year on year and watching these hockeyans take place? But it sounds like Leitrim, without having seen it, were very competitive against Cavan. Raymond Galligan, the goalkeeper, kicked five frees. Paddy Lynch, a very talented young cabin forward, kicked four from play. And that seemed to be the difference. Leitrim were in it going down the stretch. So Leitrim tipped this weekend. That'll be one to watch. And Sligo as well, Tony McIntyre Sligo. They bet Wexford by two points. Now, the result of the weekend. London. Michael Maher is their boss. He's the youngest inter-county manager in the game. They haven't played a match in two years because of COVID. They're 10 points down in Carlo against Carlo in the second half. And they come back and they win it by a point. What an unbelievable result that was. So just shout out to London. Great to have his back, and uh, great to get that first win. So Division 4 is going to be very, very competitive this year. Lads, we're now in 10 minutes into the podcast. We have a lot to get through after this. This is the part where I'm going to remind the listeners that if you haven't hit subscribe, hit subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, there's a little star there in the corner. Hit that, and if you've enjoyed what we've been talking about today, give us a five-star rating. It always helps. And uh, spread the word. Get the word out there. You're listening to The Football Pod. It's with Paddy Andrews and James Donahue, And we're going to be back right after this. You are very welcome back to The Football Pod with Paddy and James. I nearly made a mistake there. I nearly said somebody else's name. Um, so, we're going to do this feature now every week. We were doing it last year as well. The score of the week. And a load of people on our Twitter account, at footballpod underscore GEA, were sending us in suggestions all weekend. There were some unbelievable scores across the grounds. Not to mention the conditions that points and goals were scored in at the weekend, especially on Sunday. Um, James, what, who, like what, what do you value in a point? I know what Paddy Andrews values. Paddy Andrews values a score in set with a right, on the wrong side, tight angle. He loves it. What do you love? 
You actually loved that shot, Paddy, didn't you? You were playing yeah. 13 and you'd shoot from the 13 with the right or the 13 <laughs> position. I was brought from the front of the day, but it was late from the sideline. <laughs> I, what I value now is, first of all, the timing of the score. Like, there's a big difference in a score in the first minute and the last minute. Because realistically, the value of the score is a lot higher depending on the circumstances of the game. And I would also say, if I was judging it as a forward, I love a score where a fella has kind of snatched it off in no time. Like he hasn't got a chance to kind of take his hop or do his little shimmy of a few steps. He just gets it, looks, and just snaps it over. Like they're the scores that that I just think set top-class forwards apart. That was, your meet, that was your meet and drink, wasn't it? You and Ganey very much had a very quick release when you received the ball. I suppose, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I kind of didn't like to... I didn't like the uh, the loop or any of those kind of scores. We didn't really do many of them. It was kind of, you got the ball in the scoring zone and then snap it over if you can. And the thing is, if you have, if you have that, as I call it, in the locker, very often you're sucking in a fella for a dummy. Because he thinks, oh no, he's going to snap off a shot. And he's, he's overplaying and you're gone. So like there's kind of a double double whammy. to, to Double jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not picking either of those. Actually, I am. It's a late score I'm picking. <laughs> but it's not a forward score. Oh. I'm picking Henley's free in the last second. Literally <laughs> going into the last second. Because of the timing of it, the pressure on him, the conditions and where Henley is in his career at the moment. He has been through torture. <laughs> Battling with Clark, getting over all Ireland's and things that have gone wrong, maybe. He is still turning up and being an unbelievable player for Mayo. He did it against Dublin in the semi-final where he turned up last play of the game to draw it, take it to extra time. And he did it again the weekend. Very tough kick. Yes. From the right side, from his correct side, to be fair. But do you see the way he drilled it low? Nails it. He just absolutely pinged it like a golf shot and it just swung in lovely. It, really, it, did, it had the tracker radar, it didn't it? High straight. I was like, that's a hat. Like, against Dublin and Croker last year, he, he kind of nails it straight. And I was thinking, that's a hard kick in those conditions. But he actually, he brings it in. He uses the wind as well. Like It's it just... Not the, like his whole game, he was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> three brilliant game. saves yeah, heavily. In, in yeah. a more traditional goalkeeping sense. And then oh, when the free is given and you see him coming up, I thought Ryan O'Donoghue might have another go at it because he hit a brilliant one a couple of minutes before, then misses one from out in the 45. He should have called Henley up for that. But he just nailed the one before. So and it was unbelievable, why, that one. And it was an unbelievable kick. So he's like, if he kicks this one as well, this fella's off the chart. Have you seen the Have you seen the fan footage? The RF RF. I did. Come on, I did. I did. I did. The, the podcaster it shows the the conditions as well. But yeah. Henley's one come up. The way he took it on, like I say, the style of kick he had, and the minute it left his boot, you could just see what a score, what a kick, and Jimmy's right. Like he's had a hard run over the years. It was some manic highs, some crushing lows from, but uh, but Sunday was another textbook moment. Nearly just epitomizes what May are about, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Even in still in January and they're five oh. points down. James interview after was very funny. He's nearly smiling to himself. He's like, How did we put ourselves? He, like he said, we're brutal in the first half. How do we put ourselves in this position? 
And yeah, Mayo come back and reel off. It was the final five points in those conditions. And they were a man short for a good bit of that as well. But you know, do you know what I'd say? And, and this is where, like Donegal, it's, I know it's early in the season, but they're not going to be happy with how that game panned out for them. Like Langan is back playing magic stuff. Murphy's there. They kicked the penalty. It's a great win from the kick off the campaign, but it's the same old failings again. You're going, how have they thrown away a game like that? But the last play of the game, Ryan McHugh gets the ball, Patton goes short with it. And you're thinking, if there's one team you don't do this against, it's Mayo. They're absolutely ravenous. Their forwards are, are, are renowned as like the best tackling unit. They're all over them. The conditions are catastrophic. Donegal are trying to play keep ball along their own side, like inside their own 45. And you're thinking, it's in 74 minutes gone here. Mm-hmm. And you think, I get why they're doing that. If it's July in Crow Park and the ground is hard and it's a lovely, beautiful summer's day. In those conditions, I'm thinking, Ryan McHugh, I'm thinking, Patton, just go long. Get the ball as far down the pitch. Because even if you turn it over in the Mayo half-back line, the likelihood of them to work the ball up the pitch without a handling error or without just a hand on someone and the ball is going to spill out. But they try and they try a play around inside their own 45 and they end up patting ends up giving the free away. And I'm just thinking Ryan McHugh was thinking, head in his hands, he knows they should have got that ball up the pitch and got it away from there. And that's that's not the only thing that cost them, but with a moment like that, when a game finishes, that leaves a sour taste in the mouth. It's frustrating. Yeah, you know, definitely. Tactically, right, if you were if you're a coach there, you you're better off sagging your forwards back when you're say they have that kick out last play. Mm. You have to nearly say, have that kick out. You know, really try and trick him into giving it, and then you know that you're on them. Yeah, because oh, you could see Mayo doing that. You could yeah. see it. But if Mayo clued in, or they gave too much of an indication that they were really first. yeah, you might have gone along to kind of sit back and be a bit cuter and kind of think, well, I'm not really James, interested. If, if when he gives it, one team that does that, they used to always do that against them. Yeah. Uh, that they they'd let us get the ball in the corner, they'd give Clucko a, a chip out to Mick Fitzsimons or someone, and it was the second phase where it was just so they were all after you, they were, and it was a, Andy was talking about as a tactic. Usually Andy's man, he used to let his man have it. Yeah. He, he'd be chilling out on the far side of the pitch, but that's when they get the press on because you're getting a turnover then inside their, their 45 and that's why they're laying the trap. They're laying the trap. If yeah. there's one team you just don't do it against. In those but circumstances and in those conditions, it's it's Donegal are kicking themselves there, surely. Yeah. But is there a way of beating that trap? Or do you just have to avoid go long. just go along? But go along. Did you practice did you practice getting out of that situation? Or did you just uh, say we're not putting ourselves in yeah, that situation? Way too long. <laughs> did we practice? Oh my months, weeks and months that I'll never get back in my life. We were practicing these kickouts in Ireland. Because we played each other so bloody often. It was like, well, they're going to do this and we'll do this. The two teams knew each other so well. It was, but it was, that's what worked for them and you had to figure it out. Um, but that's, if you're looking at Sunday, if you're looking at, at Donegal, to have the game won, a man up, missing a penalty. You think you've just got away with it. Like know your audience, like know your audience and know the conditions. Patton has a serious boomer. You bring Langan out, Murphy, these guys around the middle of the pitch. Get it down the pitch, 
and compete for it out there because the likelihood Mayo are going to get it up at that stage of the game it's not going to happen it's just poor game management from from an experienced team when you're thinking mm. are Donegal progressing you look at the rate like Tyrone to come out of nowhere to win all Ireland what are Mar doing if you're on Donegal you're thinking of have we got the most out of this generation over the last four or five years? Lee Gallagher's doing with Derry. It seems like other teams in Ulster are a faster rate. And Donegal, who seemed to be the top dogs, you know, in Toronto or in the wilderness, and Donegal had these brilliant players. Have they got the most out of that? I, I, I think they, they'll have to admit that they, they definitely haven't. They definitely, they've flattered to see over the last couple of years and it's, it's common thread me talk about Donegal and the thing is though, they have the talent. I just don't know whether... Yeah, that, that's the that, frustrating thing. Can that switch be flicked, you know? Um, just to move quickly through the rest of the game, uh, Jason Jason from Ballyhonest was in touch and he picked out Ryan O'Donoghue's point. You know the one from play where Henley picks out Jordan Flynn in midfield, yeah. catches the ball outside of his right foot pass to O'Donoghue, wins it, I don't think a mark can be a mark, so he takes from play over the bar. Brilliant score. A few people give a shout-out for the Henley point as well, James. And a few people give a shout-out for the O'Donoghue free out in the sideline. And as well, we're looking at the the shot from the stands from RF. Final word on Jason Doherty, because that comeback is one of the stories of the weekend. <laughs> Kicked three points at the weekend. The man hasn't played since Donegal in the Super 8s. Remember the Super 8s? Back in 2019. He's had two cruciate injuries gone through hell and he's back and it was brilliant to see him looking in such good shape and playing so well at the weekend so well on to Jason Doherty I've got Andy Moran's book open here and I'm flicking through it trying to find the Jason Doherty chapter because I know that he has some brilliant stuff in it Jason Doherty basically extended Moran's career because he pretty much did all the running for Moran in the latter half of his career I can't so. believe Moran's not even on this pod anymore and we're still doing plugs for either his, his gym or his book or whatever he's flogging these days Jesus Christ Hey listen when when you boys know it when you're in the football pod you're in the football pod so uh, James anything <laughs> we're plugging this week no? Are you flogging Adam Jimmy? <laughs> I better start actually there's a few bobs <laughs> yeah. it's a great platform for it <laughs> So now a couple of other scores. Uh, I put up a, a tweet of Owen Cleary's free at the weekend. It was on the sideline, wind with him, and I was there watching it with with two mates, and we all kind of knew banker on the sideline. Cleary's putting this over the bar. Um, great score. So that was that was from that game. My score of the weekend. So Paddy, you picked. Did you pick? I, I thought McManus as well. You, I, I just loved it. Like we touched on earlier in the pod, the circumstances and it happened, the conditions. And he just, I love seeing the players going out and doing things like that. That's yes. Just, at this stage of the season, you're expecting to see it in May, June, July, but to see it on a horrendous day in January in Oma, one of the best players of our generation with our age to go out and do that, having just got about 90 seconds of lip off the halter on the fence. <laughs> yeah. He gave it back to them in stage. Class. I loved it. I loved That's- it. Great shout. Um, we got a couple of the Wexford points sent into us too. Ronan Fagel was in touch. Wexford scored three first half points from play out in the extreme right wing. Um, so we that was sent into us. So it's on the football pod, GEA uh, Twitter account. Thomas Byrne swinging one over with his left. I'm picking Rio O'Neill's goal. I uh, It just beats... Um, Jason Duffy's goal for me and I'm saying just Jason Duffy meant that and there's a lovely shimmy and a step from Jason Duffy before he scores it but the Rian O'Neill move I just thought Howard gets turned over the break at speed it's direct football and the way O'Neill takes it that's that's my one but I think it's between Henley or McManus so are we giving it to are we giving it to Robbie Henley this weekend? Is that who we're giving our score the weekend to? James 
you know what? We're going to give it to you to make the decision. Con McManus's equaliser or Robbie Henley's equaliser. Two clutch scores. I'll have to stick with my man. Go with Henley. Okay. I give the Henley to McManus. An outrageous score. But just a question to McManus. Do you think that Monaghan will hold him in reserve in, in the championship this year? Or will no. they start to, Has he got they can't. they can't. Yeah. They can't afford to. They might they hold him in reserve in the league a little bit. That's you know. Save him maybe. But I'm saying in the championship match, they're going to have tight matches regardless. It's going to be mm. low score probably in the Monaghan matches. Would you rather have him nice and fresh for 25 or would you rather him a bit tired not at his best going into the last <laughs> where he's going to have no he's playing from the start one billion percent yeah I hope they do but like he's been coming on in matches yeah yeah he's, he's, always, he's, he's had he's had an he's awful lot of start of the year like he's yeah, he is. He's, his himself. debut was 07 am I right in saying that wing back he started out he was like you playing in the backs you marked. Uh, <laughs> I'll take that comparison. He's not like me. Not, but I'll take it. Yeah, no. You marked Donica Walsh playing wing back against Kerry and Crow Park in um, oh, seven. I'd say it's GPS marked is up that day if he's marking Donica Walsh. Donica Walsh. Jeez, and that was Banty. Banty had him back there, and now oh. Banty can see where he should be playing him. So, um, yeah, it didn't do him any harm playing back there for a little while. So, um, yeah, couple all of the greats spent time back there few more bits of house business boys we've got um, our football pod Instagram questions these are quick fire so they literally are quick fire so Preston Keating wants to know are Armagh in that range of the top five teams in the country are they there yet no no they're not yet I don't think they're far off it I mean like who, who is the top five now? Like after this weekend, kind of thinking they could be, they could be fifth. It's it could be fifth. Yeah. Look, if we're having this conversation at the end of March, yeah, it, I, I wouldn't be jumping to any grand conclusions on the thirty first of January. No, let's see how it's a brilliant start for them. Mm. If we're here in eight weeks' time, you'll have a clear picture, and it's the same with the national league since the dawn of time. There's always big results towards the start. Let's get a sense and a, of where teams are at. Do they have the potential to be? Without a doubt. Let's see come seven or eight weeks down the line when they've had seven or eight games against the top teams and then we'll have a much clearer picture rolling into the championship then. Yeah, fair. That's totally I think, fair. I think that the Northern teams are the strongest looking this year. I think that the Dublin have shown weaknesses. I think they were built up debate last year and it didn't suit them I don't think that they're probably as highly favoured as they were last year yeah. after that your Northern teams and Mayo do you know I think it could be a year it could be a year for a Northern team so like if that is the case every single one of those teams fancies themselves in Ulster mm. so why mm. not fancy themselves to go a bit further that one step yeah. I see they all have they all have um, performance coaches do you know, so they have to set the goal high. I agree, Armagh are off with it at the moment just because they haven't been around long enough. But they have Tyrone at home next week. Yeah. Last week I said that Tyrone might struggle in the Second league. question, Connor Max, does James still think Tyrone will get relegated? Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I'm going. I think I fancy Armagh to rattle them again this weekend. Yeah. And that's not because I'm saying that Tyrone have have gone any bit backwards. I'm just saying because of the time of the year and the winter they had, and the year they're coming off. I still think they're going to be an unbelievable team come championship. But at the moment, Armagh. If Armagh win that game, can you imagine yeah. the belief up there? With Donaghy rowing in, you got you got <laughs> all the supporters up there. They will have a serious breath of fresh air up there, and they'll be thinking they can have a great year. So, who is the top five? You couldn't even call it. If you did a last man standing. Oh, sorry. Just just to let you know, the official Owen Sheehan power rankings of the best Gaelic football teams in the country will be done by the time this podcast is released. It'll be in the OTBGA stream. So, if you want the actual answer to that question, Owen will tell you where am I are in the country right now. Has he not had Kerry at the top of that ranking for the last... I don't think he's ever... He's never had Kerry there. There's a thing called Yera in Kerry and he's never once had Kerry up at the top. I've I've heard to the grapevine that Mead and Cork are going to plummet this weekend. Just to get through another quick few quick ones, lads. Um, Paddy Paddy Paella said, you wrote the Rossies off as usual. Not bad with five stars away in club duty. I don't think we wrote off the Rossies. I thought we said the Rossies were going to win at the weekend. I don't think this we is like the West, Bra- West Brom and the GAA they win Division 2 now and go back up to Division 1 and get rele- relegated again Paddy Paddy has an agenda against Roscommon he's always had it I don't know what they did <laughs> to him this was the same thing that's happened for the last 20 years I hope I'm wrong I'd love to see it different but... Richard Everson wants to know Richard Everson wants to know are the best eight teams in the country in Division 1 this year for once right like that's you're looking at Galway you're looking at Galway or Galway, Galway Kildare or, you know Who's who's better there? It's going to be hard to know. Yeah, you're right. Look, the next few weeks will uh, will show. Sean Grant is wondering about Sean O'Shea at midfield. We talked about that earlier on. There's a couple of questions about your fancy teams. We're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, Michael Tracy is asking Paddy, can Kildare pick up a sneaky Lancer title this year with a couple of emojis? You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. We'll see at the end of the league. We'll, things will be a lot clearer, but at the minute, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, yeah, and there's loads of questions there. We mentioned last week that one of these days we'll be doing an Ask Me Anything for James O'Donoghue. And James, you'll be glad to know there's a lot of good questions coming in for you. So we're going to open that up again next week. Filter so, them very strongly. Talk to me about your fantasy Gaelic teams, right? Because we have got to do a little bit of a assessing here. The Football Pod League, we threw out the the, the code at the weekend. People can still join your uh, your you can still join the league and your your total will be totted up so you can still enter the league we'll leave the code up there but a shout out to Kieran Kenrick Moyle Rovers and Tipperary his team name is CJK you know we could have done a bit better with the team name but by god 243 points this week he is top of our table there's I think there's 80 entries in at the minute so there's 80 people in competing which is great to see just to let you know about um Kieran's tactics at the weekend he started Raymond Galligan in goals that was a smart move Mickey Graham was his manager racked up a lot of points in defence he had Ryan McHugh Ryan McInesby Tom Sullivan Paddy Durkin kicking points from a midfield of Enda Smith and Paul Conroy I had Smith myself he then had Rian O'Neill Shane Walsh and Kieran Kilkenny in his half forward line and a full forward line an all monster full forward line of Owen Cleary David Clifford and Brian Hurley so well done Kieran you were top of the table and I actually spotted that he's actually second in the entire um, the entire football uh, fantasy Gaelic football universe. universe 
So that's out of a couple of thousand people. So well done there. And a shout out to Laura Linehan, Lauren Linehan in our junior division. And she is top of the pops there, 158 points. So you're winning that league. Um, I have a feeling Lauren where could be we, winning. Oh, where are we, in the, are we in the mix team, no? I have a feeling Lauren could be winning the junior division every week because there's only one entry there. So we'll give you a shout out every couple of weeks to keep an eye on how you're doing, Lauren. Right. So let's Put talk me in about that one as well because I need to. I need a confidence booster here. I'm way so down. let's let's talk about where the lads are. Right. So I'm scrolling through here on our fantasy Gaelic football.com league. We're not. No one of us are in the top ten. What? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tom O'Connor, a mead man, is squeezing in at number ten at 204 points. Conal O'Hanlon, the rickshaws from Cracklow, is squeezing in with 205 points. James Calif, loud footballers in eleventh, the dread of the Dreadnoughts Club, 203 points. So. None of us are there in the top 14. None of us are in the top 20. Limerick footballer Ian Corbett's in there. I wonder how many Limerick lads he has. He's got Josh Ryan up front from Limerick. So he got seven. It's bad for a brand, Tommy. Yeah, so no, none of us are in the top 20. Let me get back out here again and see where we are now. Oh, Jesus. Paddy, I thought you were doing well. All right. No, not there in the top 50. Still going. Tommy Rooney, 33rd. 33rd. I'm 33rd. So I'm the first one that appears here. 173 points. I don't need to talk you through my team. Let's just yeah, see you where. Made, you made four teams. So that's just the top one of your teams. <laughs> no, no, I only made the one. I, no, actually, I made two teams. Paddy's Wolves are 44. You got 165 points. You were very, you were very good looking your team on Saturday night. You had 24 points from Cormac Costello and 25 from Rian O'Neill. I had Costello as your captain. I apologise for that. I thought Cormac would have maybe had the full game to get his scores up. I should have possibly made Rean your captain. Hindsight. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, yeah. You know, the, the irony of last week is that James put up that brilliant tweet at the weekend where uh, he let on he couldn't use Twitter, whereas Paddy couldn't figure out his fancy football team this week. So, Paddy, I'm not making any more switches for you, buddy. If you send me the actual username that I'll be able to log in with. I know, I actually made one for Paddy Bradley by accident. Yeah, but you, I think I picked some some real Paddy Andrews type players. I got Shane McGuigan in there. You were a big fan of him last year. Da- Dazzler. Yeah, the Dazzler in corner forward. McGuigan yeah, Dazzler had a right battle with Ryan Wiley at the weekend. It wasn't a forwards weekend there. Um, no, Rory Gallagher was your boss. Yeah, I'll take that. Beggins and Golds. And let's just have yeah. a look at James O'Donoghue's team. So James, you're bottom. So, <laughs> bottom of the three, not bottom of the whole league. No, you're you're fifty first. Four thousand, four thousand one. God's God. So, realistically, my team on paper would win out of the three. Right. Let's let's see. Oh, actually, give me your team. What's your name? I've got it open in front of me. Have you got it there? Niall Morgan, Donald Kogan, Paddy Durkin, Johnny Heaney, Ryan McHugh, Chrissy McKay, Killian Clark, Matthew Tierney, Kieran Lillis, Ryan Dunhoe, Jack McCarran. League legend Jack McCarran only got me two points. Couldn't believe it. League, League legend. David Pickford, <laughs> Paul Ganey, Brian Hurley. Oh. That's important. And who's your manager? It was... I did. <laughs> Sorry, who, who, who's your manager? It was Jack. I, that's because he sent me a nice message. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely statement he said. Just like, cheers, go back, Jack. I thought Kerry had win. 10 points for a win for the manager. Yeah, it's it's important. Yeah, it's very important. Back McGeaney. Back McGeaney. 
So it's going to open actually tomorrow, the transfer window. So you can make your changes then, and then you'll have right. a couple of weeks before the That's next transfer window. Calls. That's so, yeah, you're going to have to get that figured out, lads, because um, I'm going to need one E to win this, because I promised prizes, and I don't have any prizes yet. But we will get them over the next couple of weeks. I promise you. Okay, so nice. James, Paddy, thank you very much for joining me once more on the Football Pod. It's been a, a wonderful hour and a half. We had a lot to get through this week. It's going to be the same every week. It's going to be a battle to get us off the air. I'll tell you that much. Any last words before we finish up, Paddy? I'm looking forward to this weekend. We'll see a little bit more of all the teams. Like I said, the, the conditions weren't great at the weekend, but there's definitely stories building already from the first set of games and there's some incredible fixtures coming up this weekend and we'll have a little bit more clarity uh, on next week's pod about where teams are and what players and what coaches are trying to do so forward to the weekend and hoping fingers crossed it's a little bit clearer weather wise and we get some great matches looking forward to it James looking forward to possibly getting down to Tralee this weekend you're definitely going to be there I'd imagine are you or are you going to you going to watch on the TV have you plans? Plan I'm going. No, I will. Well, I'll try my best to go. Tickets are sold out Actually, already. Tickets are sold out. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not surprised. From the Bears. That's what? Monday now. We're recording Monday night and tickets are already sold out. So yeah. That is gonna be uh that is gonna be box you office. Sure you're being introduced to the crowd at half time <laughs> I see one of the Ross Common boys actually got that trip. Craiger yeah Craiger got it at the weekend and he, just, he deserved I can't believe him Colin Craig deserved that out of nowhere like, like the Lord Mayor of the hype but I don't think Craig would be a, a huge man for the hype anyway like I'm not sure no, but he, I don't think Colin Craig would have been asking for that but he fully deserved it he absolutely deserved the thought he got from the Ross Common fans so listen but that is isn't it it's unreal it's 1st of February tomorrow yes evening getting longer Football National League is back. Good times. Look at this. The positivity train. Go oh, man, Jimmy. I and Dublin will get paid again. Two weeks in the trap. <laughs> Look at him. Time, the most carry man. The most carry of carry man. Jesus Christ. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Do share it. Do let your friends know about it. Do talk about it on Twitter and get in touch at footballpod underscore GAA. Kieran Kenrick. You're our leading manager this week in the fantasy Gaelic football. We want to hear about your selection plans for this weekend. So you can get in touch, drop us a DM and let us know what you're thinking for this week. So well done to you. Well done to you two boys. Fair play. And uh, looking forward to catching up with you next week again. Nice one. Good week, gents.